Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Thank you. All right, turn your Bibles if you would. Mark chapter 10, um, I, that I, I just love those songs that you picked this morning. I love listening to that story about the Word of God being spread and the song that came about because of a person's testimony. Um, I love the message about, although my sins are many, God's grace is more, and and I'm still learning to let things, to say it is well with my soul, despite things that are going around me. How about how many of you are like me, still learning that, trying, trying, still learning it? Uh, there's times that I say, yeah, that's it, it's well, Lord, and then there's other times something happens. I'm like, God, I ain't okay with this. And uh, I, Lucas kept looking back at me because I had just tears. And uh, thank you, Landon. Thank you, God. But thank you, Landon, for picking those songs that you have chosen this morning. Mark chapter 10, and I had put in the bulletin, we're going to go a little bit farther, but as I was finishing up my outline, I said I'm not going to get that far, so I, I, I may touch on it at the end, but uh, we're just I'm going to read the whole passage. It's in your bulletin. It's more than what Mark read. I'm going to read the whole section, if you will, but I don't know that we'll get that far this morning. But I do welcome you. Do thank you for being here. Do say thank you to those maybe watching. I know uh, sometimes we don't think about them, but I know uh, we have members that are watching and uh, guests and maybe people stumbling across our page, our website. And uh, we welcome you. We thank you for taking the time to be here or to watch, to listen. Again, it's uh, I know sometimes... We're talking about technology this morning. One of the wonderful things about technology is even if you don't get to watch live or get to listen to the whole thing for some reason, if you're not here, or if you are here, you can go back and you can hear it again. I don't know that what I have to say is all that important, but what God has to say certainly is, and so therefore uh, we can do that. And I know that sometimes I get long-winded, and, and um, you can break up into parts and go back. But... This morning in Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 7, if you would, hold your Bible up if you've got it over your head. This is the Word of God. I will read it, I will believe it, and I will, by the grace of God, live it out. I forgot what I was supposed to say. <laughs> I, I did it my bulletin up here, and all of a sudden it was gone. But anyway, either way, we're going to read it, we're going to believe it, and we're going to obey it by the grace of God is what we're going to do. That's what we're asking that you do. That's what God wants us to do. And so let's read now Mark 10, beginning of verse 17. This is after now the conversation about the children. And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him. Now, if we look in Matthew and if we look at Luke, we see this was a relatively young man. We also see that he was a ruler of some kind, some person with authority. That's not listed right here, 
But if you look at Matthew, look at Luke, the parallel passages, you see that. It's this young man, this young authority comes to him and asks him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. And let me just stop right there for a second, because what's taking place is rabbis, in particular, they would refuse to be called good or righteous. There are some that would kind of lift them up or look at them as being righteous in some way. Lucas, can you turn me down just a little bit on the slider there? Just a touch, if you would. And um, the, the rabbis would not permit it. And that's what Jesus was saying here. Was saying, you know, even though Jesus was God, this man was not yet identifying him as God. And so therefore, he's making the point, there's no one good but God. Let's keep on reading. Thou knowest the commandments. So the man's asking him, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I earn eternal life? In verse 19, thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, and honor thy father and mother. And let me stop there one second. Defraud not seems out of place. If you are reading your, if you know your Ten Commandments, defraud not is not one of the commandments. Uh, thou shalt not covet is one of the commandments, and that's missing here, but it could be a couple of things. It could be that Jesus, this man was saying, he knew this man was going to say, hey, I've done all these things, but he was kind of testing him. But also I think the fact that he was an authority and the fact that he had money, he was saying, don't defraud people. Don't take advantage of people. And that's played out later on. And then, of course, under thy father and mother, and he said, and he answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed, or all these have I done from my youth? Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, and come, take up the cross, and follow me. And he was sad at the saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around about and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they have rich shall, shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answereth again and saith unto them, Children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd help us today to understand this message, but also to understand and apply it to our lives. And God, that we would not allow our lives to end tragic, that we would not live tragic lives, but God, that we would live lives that are 
called by you unto salvation in lives that are called by you and that we would respond to ministering with you the rest of our lives, that we would take up our cross and that we would follow you and that our lives would not end like this man did, as far as we know, in tragedy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let me give you a real quick synopsis here just to fill you in. This young man, he comes to Jesus. And he comes saying, hey, rabbi, hey, master, hey, wonderful person, uh, good teacher, righteous teacher. And Jesus right away says, ho, 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 one second. I think you got the wrong idea here. Not because I'm not righteous, but because you're just elevating me because I'm a rabbi. And the man says to him, what must I do to earn, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus kind of says, okay, you want to earn eternal life? Then here's what you've got to do. You have to follow all the commandments perfectly. And the man kind of says, well, then I've done all those things. I've done them since a youth. In other words, from the time that I was old enough to make my own decision, from the time that I was old enough to understand, I have followed those things. And I point that out because there are some of us in here that probably from, I'm not saying that we're perfect or not thinking we're perfect, but ever since we were little children, we've grown up in church. That was this man, in essence, if we were to put him in today's world, he grew up in church. He grew up in a Christian school. He grew up practicing all the things that his religion taught him to do. And he says, what more do I have to do? And I, based on the conversation, he's like saying, okay, so basically I've done everything, right? And Jesus, knowing his heart, says, you lack one thing. There's one thing that you've got to do. Go thy way, sell what you have, and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven, take up thy cross, and follow me. Now the reason Jesus said that is because he knew the man hadn't done all those things, because nobody has. In fact, Jesus said there's nobody good, there's nobody righteous but God. So this man could not be righteous, but he said, okay, to prove that you're not righteous, do this. And the man doesn't do it. What was he asking him to do? What he was asking him to do was to love his neighbor as he loved himself. And he was also asking him to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the man wasn't willing to do either of them. And so the man was not perfect. But as we go and we look at this passage I want you to understand that something that we communicate or try to communicate all the time, there are two primary callings in your life, two basic callings that every person has. A call to salvation. So does everybody have a call to salvation? Everybody that's ever been saved has a call to salvation. And my Bible says, whosoever will may come. My Bible says that God so loved the world, the whole world, that he gave his son to die on a cross. My Bible says that if you believe, you can be saved. I understand that there's a whole thing about election and the select and so forth and so on. If you're saved, you've been elected. I'm not going to dive into that. I'm simply saying that anybody, everybody has to first accept the call to salvation and repent of sin 
and turn by faith to Jesus Christ as God as the only way to heaven and what he did on the cross and that alone paying his price for sin and then therefore God comes into him through the person of the Holy Spirit forgives him of all of sin washes him clean and he is a new creature in Christ and then therefore has a home in heaven that's the first calling if you've not done that today if that's not you that's the first thing that you've got to do otherwise your life will end in tragedy it does not matter where you're from it does not matter what country you live in it doesn't matter what race you are it doesn't matter what your job is how big your house is who your parents are what tribe you're from does not matter doesn't matter how many dollars you have in the bank doesn't matter how many cars you have doesn't matter how much property you have nothing matters if you have not turned by faith to jesus christ and accepted the free gift of salvation that is the first calling that's this man came how do i have eternal life the second calling is the call to follow jesus and minister and i'm going to put it this way to you with him we often say minister for jesus it's really ministering with jesus because you can't do anything apart from jesus and so therefore i may be splitting hairs here but i like to call it ministering with jesus now, if you miss either of those things, your life will be tragic. Now, you can miss the second and still go to heaven. In other words, you could not minister all your rest of your life for Jesus or with Jesus and still go to heaven. Or you could get saved and then die the next day or that day for that matter and still go to heaven. Because nothing we do earns the salvation, despite what this man thought. But as long as you live, if you don't minister with God, minister with Jesus, serve the Lord, follow Jesus Christ, then your life will be tragic. You may get to go, you, you will get to go to heaven, but your life on earth will still be tragic, and you'll one day stand before the Father. And he'll look at you and say, welcome home. And he'll love you and he'll hug you. But at some point, there's going to be a place where he plays out your life before you. And it's going to be like that servant who took his talent of gold and hid it in the dirt. And the master came and said, what did you do with what I've given you? And I was afraid or I didn't know or these other things mattered to me. And so therefore, I didn't do anything with it. And your life will be tragic. And so I want you to look at the life of this young man and live a and learn to live or how to live a life that is not tragic or maybe more specifically is avoid the things that he avoided so that your life is not tragic. Number 1. Don't let your don't let your faith or perhaps better said the level of your faith keep you from Jesus don't let the level of your faith keep you from Jesus what do you mean don't let the level of my faith I've got faith in God we all have a certain amount of faith everybody has faith in something and, so, and if you profess to believe in God again only you know whether you're truly saved or not but we all have varying levels of faith in God 
But he gives you, if you're saved, he's given you enough faith to be saved. But there's some of us that have enough faith to keep us from being saved, and we stay there. This young man did not understand who Jesus was. He believed that Jesus was righteous, good. Uh, he doesn't necessarily call him holy, but he says, good master. He believed he was a wonderful person. He believed he perhaps was a very godly person. Not only that, but he believed that Jesus knew the way to heaven. Because he asks him, how do I get to heaven? Tell me. So therefore, this person had enough faith in him to come running to him. This person had enough faith to come falling down and kneeling down before him. This person had enough faith to say, hey, I believe that you have the answer in how to get to heaven. But this person's faith fell short. And there are people that, grow, that live in this world that they believe in God or a God. Or they believe that there is a God. They may even believe that Jesus is God. They believe in God. They hear about Jesus. They hear about how he died on the cross. And yes, I believe that that's all true. But they never reach the point of repenting of their sin. And they never reach the point of believing in him as the only way to heaven. And therefore, their faith that they do have, they say, well, i got some faith. But they never Get to the point where they're with Jesus. Don't let your faith, the level of your faith, fall short and cause you to miss eternal life, to cause you to miss following Jesus and let your life be tragic. The Bible says that the demons believe and tremble. They have faith in God. You understand that, right? The demons knew who Jesus was. Not just that he was good. Not just that he was a rabbi. Not just that he knew how to get to heaven. They knew who he was. Remember the demon and the demoniac? He says, I know who you are, Jesus, the Holy One of God. What are you coming to do with me? They knew. The devil, I've been seeing this on Facebook lately, and I, I said, well, that's the same thing the Bible says about demons, and so therefore it does apply because it, it's true. The devil certainly knows God and believes in God. He better, God threw him out of heaven. But the devil nor the demons are going to be in heaven. There is a level of faith that you can get to, and I, uh, whether you're going to call it religious, or whether you want to call it, I, I believe that there's something. But you don't reach the point of salvation. You don't reach the point of where you would follow. See, don't let your faith keep you from Jesus. Don't let your goodness, number two, don't let your goodness keep you from Jesus. The young man was as good a person as you could imagine. 
If we were to put this young man in church today, boy, we'd be looking to make him a deacon. We'd be looking to make him a Sunday school teacher. We'd be looking to make him somebody because this person, man, look at what a testimony he has. Look how faithful he is to come to church. Look how faithful he is to give. Look how kind he is. Look at how wonderful he is. Look at how he does all the things that we've taught him to do. Oh, listen, there are people that their goodness keeps them from coming to Jesus. Don't let your goodness keep you from coming to Jesus. He said, what must I do to earn eternal life? And then he says, I've kept all those commandments from my youth. The point is this. He thought, I'm good enough. That's really what he thought. What must I do? This is what you must do. I've done all those things. I'm good. And there are people in this world and people even in Baptist churches. And I pray not in this church or not the sound of my voice or watching right now, but people that think, well, it's if I do enough good and it outweighs my bad, then I'll get to go to heaven. As long as I do more good than I do bad, then it outweighs. As long as, put it in, in, in a, uh, I, I'm trying to watch what I eat. I'm trying to be healthier. As long as I do enough exercise and eat enough good things, more than the bad things. I eat all these good things over here, and now I'm going to eat a whole apple pie over here, but I ate three meals of healthy food over here. Well, that's not going to make me healthy. This person thought there's something I can do. By the way, and I know this has been said before, it's not original with me, but what a terrible way to live. You want a tragic life? The misery of wondering. Now, if this could get you to heaven, have I done enough good things? Not knowing till I get to the judge whether my good outweighs my bad. That would scare me. To death. Now, that's not the way God does it. I understand that. But just in my thinking, that would scare me to death. And by the way, it also might be like my diet, where I've done all these good things, but then all of a sudden I see that delicious peach cobbler that my wife made for me this week, and I turn to her kind of sheepishly and say, you didn't want any of that, did you? Because I ate the whole thing. And I blow it. Well, I've already eaten half of it, might as well eat the other half. Right? You might get that way with, I'm trying to do some good things, oh, I messed up, well, it's too late for me now. I might as well just go ahead and do some more bad things. No, listen. Don't let your goodness, there's some of us that we grew up in church or, or we, we do all kinds of good things and we give all kinds of money and we teach in a class and we do all kinds of wonderful things and we think, man, that's enough. It's not. Don't let your goodness keep you from Jesus. His goodness fell short. He was as good as a candidate for a membership and a deacon and whatever position you can imagine as you would find. Number three, don't let your possessions keep you from Jesus. He let his faith keep him from Jesus. He also let his goodness keep him from Jesus. He didn't realize it yet, but he was letting his possessions keep him from Jesus because it says that he went away grieved because he had great possessions. He was not willing to give up his wealth. 
He was not willing to give up his desires. He was not willing to give up what he had. And what Jesus did, what Jesus does to us, if we're paying attention, is he shows us what we're lacking. This man said, what am I lacking? And he showed him. You see, Jesus, it's interesting, Jesus gave him the last of the commandments, all the ones that relate to other people. Notice that Jesus didn't say anything about love the Lord your God with all your heart, didn't say there's only one God, didn't say keep the Sabbath holy, he didn't say don't take the Lord's name in vain. Didn't say those. Because he knew that when the man said, well, I've done all these things, and then he says, fine, go out and sell what you've got. You've said that you love your neighbor as yourself. You've said that by doing all these things, not stealing, not committing adultery, not lying. You love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you're saying. So now go out and prove it. And the man could not. And he said, follow me, because the other part is love the Lord your God with all your heart. And he could not, because he did not. And so therefore he let his possessions, his love of the world caused him to fall short and so often we allow our love of the world to keep us from following Jesus and fall short we got to have the car we got to have the house or we got to go have the vacation we got to have we got to have this thing over here we got to do that thing over there or maybe it's not even things it's you know I want influence I want prestige I want power I want position whatever it might be we keep these things from allowing us to follow Jesus and that's what this man was doing but you say well okay so I understand that's what he was doing so how do I not do them? Well, we've got to have a right perception of Jesus. A, we have to have a right priority. You see, he had a mistaken understanding of the Savior. He went to Jesus as the rabbi, as the teacher, and he says, tell me what I've got to do to get heaven. You're good, you're a teacher, master, Tell me what I've got to do. But what he didn't understand and what oftentimes people don't understand is Jesus doesn't just know the way to heaven. Jesus is the way to heaven. He's the only way to heaven. It's not you do A, B, C. It's just that you put your faith in Jesus. Well, if you give to the church, or if you go to church, or if you give to the poor, or if you do these things, that's how you get to heaven. No, it's not that. He was telling him that because he knew he would not do that. It was the fact that he did, he did, he did not have an understanding of who Jesus was. And there's people, listen, we need to have an understanding of exactly who our Savior is. He didn't realize who he was talking to. He had that difference, as we so often hear, of the head knowledge and the heart knowledge he magnified jesus and lifted him up to a point but not over his entire life and the reason that we misunderstand jesus is because we lift him up in church oh we lift him up when we're reading the bible 
Oh, we lift him up when we're praying and when we're in need and we're hurting and when we're in pain and when we're calling out to him, oh God, you're God, you can do anything. Isn't that amazing? God, you're God, you can do anything. I need you. Except for when I'm not in trouble. Except for when I'm not hurting. Except in this aspect of my life. Jesus, take the wheel, but not over here. Oh, we lift him up to a point, but not to where we're at. That's what he was doing. Not only did he have a mistaken understanding of the Savior, and we've got to be careful that we don't have a misunderstanding of just who Jesus is. He isn't just a prophet. He isn't just a person. He isn't just a teacher. But he is God in the flesh. And we have to turn to him and believe in him and what he did for us on the cross. But also he had a misunderstanding or a mistaken understanding of salvation. Because he didn't understand who Jesus was and that he was the way to heaven, he said, there's got to be some other ways to heaven. Tell me what they are. How do I get there? And people in this world, religious and non-religious, most people, most people, not all people, most people believe that there is a heaven somewhere, that there is a God somewhere. They may not go to church. They may not even claim to be a Christian, but they believe that somehow when you die, there's a place for you that's going to be wonderful. We're going to be in the clouds. We're going to have angel wings. We're going to be angels, whatever it might be. They have a misunderstanding of how, what heaven is and what salvation is, and this young man certainly did. There is nothing if we understood. And, and here's the problem. Salva he had a misunderstanding of salvation because it can't be earned or deserved. He had a misunderstanding of salvation because it's not based on your good outweighing your bad. But the reason he had a misunderstanding of salvation was because he had a misunderstanding of sin and of self for that matter. But let me get to the, the second. He had a misunderstanding of sin. He misunderstood just how black and hideous and awful and terrible our sin is. One sin. He misunderstood that sin is not just the wrong things that you do. It's the wrong things that you are. Because the Bible says we're born sinners. By one man, Adam, sin passed upon all men. And therefore you're born a sinner, and that is why you do sin. You say, well, what if I just never sin? Well, the Bible says that there's none that have never sinned, but also you, you can't not sin because you're born a sinner. You can't not lie because you're born a liar. And to say that you haven't sinned is proving you're a liar. And he had a misunderstanding of just how black and how awful and how much God hates sin. And that God, if he had to die on the cross for just one sin, he would have done it. Because that one sin had had the price paid for. We can look around and see all the wicked and all the evil and all the hate and all the hideous things that are going on in the world today. And that's just in this day. Not to mention the last 6,000 years of sin that we've had to endure. And we can... Try to get a scope of just how much God 
hate sin if you understood that just one wrong thought, just one act of disobedience, just one disrespectful word to your parent, just one. Jesus would have had to die. And just how awful sin is that God sent his very own son to die on a cross for you and me. And this man also had a mistaken understanding of self. And that's our problem. We often have this misunderstanding of self. We're not as good as we think we are. We think if we obey the list of do's and don'ts that somehow we're pretty good. But what Jesus pointed at was the real problem. It's not what you do and don't do. It's the desire of your heart that's the problem. Sin comes from the heart and sin is in the heart. And that's why we say your heart has to be washed. And I'm not talking about the, the muscle that pumps the blood. I'm simply saying that you are born that way and you have to be cleansed. And this man misunderstood because he thought if I just do those last six, then I'm good. He had obeyed the letter of the law, but not the intent of the law. And love thy neighbor as thyself. He had that down, he thought. But when the rubber hit the road and Jesus said, fine, you love your neighbor as I've told you to love your neighbor, then go out and prove it. And he couldn't do it. He wasn't willing. And his life ended in tragedy. But also because he thought somehow that it had nothing to do with the fact of loving the Lord your God. He missed that whole part. He thought that by obeying the last six, it proved that he was guiltless of violating the first four, but he did not love the Lord his God with all his heart. And there are some of us that the reason that we, well, yes, we may be saved, but the reason that we're not following Jesus is because we don't love our neighbor like we should or we don't love God like he told us to. Now, understand something here. This message of go and sell all that you've got, give it to the poor and follow me, that's not what he tells all of us to do. So don't, you know, get nervous. This was something that he was doing to point out to this young man. However, if that's what he said to you, if that's what you had to do, would you be willing to give it all up, your house, your cars, your family, your money, your bank accounts, your authority, your position, your job, your reputation? Would you be willing to give it all up? Because the point is, that's you and me in this man, is the fact that are we willing to give up our pride, our desires, our dreams to follow Jesus? Jesus showed him his shortcomings. And this young man decided to follow the wealth. He chose the wealth, the influence, and self over Jesus. In one of the most discouraging, depressing passages in Scripture is when you have this man who had everything. He had money. He had uh, privilege. He had authority. He had position. He had a reputation. He had a testimony. He had morals. He had all these things. But look there in verse 22. And he was sad. 
think we miss that. He was sad. And he went away grieved. Why? Because he wasn't willing to give those things up for Jesus. It's not that he had to, but if he had to, he was not willing. If that's what it's going to take, the cost is too high. And my question for you is if that was the cost, is the cost too high? You say, well, I'm saved, preacher. Right, but to not live a life that is tragic, you have to follow Jesus. And if the cost is, give up all those things. And Jesus actually does say, in comparison, we must hate husband and brother and family and life. Not that we actually hate them, but in comparison to our love for Jesus. This young man had a tragic end. I wrote down a few others in the Bible just to kind of give you an example of people that had tragic ends that had the opportunity, like this man did, for so much. Cain. Cain, raised by Adam and Eve, would have heard firsthand about what God had done and what God had said. And yet Cain, being taught to offer sacrifices to God, and yet Cain walked away. When you read Genesis uh, chapter Three, uh, four is a chapter, chapter four, and he walks away from the presence of God. Miserable. Saul, remember King Saul? King Saul had everything. He was head and shoulders taller than all the rest of the people. He was beautiful to look upon. He was selected as the first king of Israel. He had God in his corner. And then they reached a point where he turned away from God and rejected him. And he walked away from God, sad. Solomon. Solomon, the wisest man in the world that ever lived. And God said, because you didn't ask for long life or you didn't ask for riches, I'm going to give you riches and I'm going to give you long life and I'm also going to give you the what you've asked for, which is wisdom. But then later, Solomon walks away from the wisdom. And he says everything in life is pointless. He's sad. He's miserable. Jonah. Jonah, a prophet of God. Jonah who had seen the work of God. Jonah who was called of God. And Jonah ran from God. And God lovingly brought him back, saved his life in the sea by using a fish to swallow him. And then Jonah obeys and goes where God tells him to, tells people about the good news, or tells people about the fact that God's going to judge them. They repent. Thousands of people respond to his message, and he gets bitter and upset and walk in the end, basically walks away from God, sad, miserable. Judas. Judas walked hand in hand with Jesus, step by step with Jesus in his ministry. And then the end, Judas, because it wasn't going to be what he thought it was. Judas, because everything wasn't going to work out the way he wanted it to, turned against Jesus. And you can say the devil entered into his heart, Bible says. That's true. But because he allowed the devil to enter into his heart and he betrayed Jesus and he walked away sad and hung himself.
Bible gives us a list of others, Noah and Abraham and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and David and Daniel and many others that we can look at and say, those are people that walked with God. It doesn't mean that every moment of their life was just full of giggles and laughter and rainbows and unicorns. But we still talk about Noah and his faith. We still talk about Abraham and his faith. We still talk about Joseph. And what and, and being a picture of Christ in salvation. We still talk about Moses and delivering the people from, of Israel from the Egyptians. We still talk about Joshua leading the people into the promised land. We still talk about David, the great king of Israel. We still talk about Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. Because they walked with God. I want to close with this. I want you to see how much more important it is that we do not live our lives tragic or let our lives be tragic but be like the, the, the Noah and the Abraham and the Joseph and the Moses and the Joshua and the Davids and the Daniels be like them and that doesn't mean your life's perfect your life's going to have hardship your life's going to have trial but go back and look at the roll call of faith and, and, and the book of Hebrews and the people that God used and what a testimony they have. And a, not just that, but a well done, good and faithful servant when they get to heaven. But I want you to see two things as I close this. One is this. Because this one word or this one phrase is going to have two meanings. It's perhaps hidden in this passage, or we kind of gloss over it. And the reason I say that, at least I did, because I've read this account probably a thousand times I've heard it or read it in my lifetime. That may be an over-exaggeration, but I've read this story about the rich young man who walked away sad many, many times. If you've heard this story before, just raise your hand at me, right? We've all heard this story before. Did you notice, did you notice, it's sad because the man walks away from a loving Savior. Did you catch what it says when he asks Jesus, how do I get eternal life? And he says, do these things. And he said, I've done them all from my youth. And look in verse 21, Jesus beholds him jesus looks at him that's not the phrase i want you to see but jesus looks into his eyes looks into his heart jesus knowing all things knowing that this man was going to turn away and walk away and leave him and what's the next phrase that it says jesus beholding him loved him it breaks my heart that people will walk away from a God that loves them despite their shortcomings, their failures. He didn't love him because he was good. He didn't love him because all of our works, the Bible says, is nothing but dung. Trash. He didn't love him for that. He loved him because that's what God does and that's who God is. And he loved him. And he wants desperately for this man to understand the way to heaven. He wants desperately for this man to choose him and go to heaven. Because he loves him. 
But it's sad that there are people that will walk away from the greatest love anybody could ever know. But it also gives me hope. Because when I fall short, and I do, and I don't mean just in, in, in getting to heaven, I can't get to heaven on my own, but I mean in following him. Jesus looks at me, and he loves me. He loves me. He looks at you, and he loves you. Despite that he knows that there's times that you'll turn, despite the, the times that he knows that you'll fall and you'll fail, despite the fact that he knows that there's times that you're going to live your life tragically, we all have. There's times that we just miss it. There's times that we will. We don't have to, but that we will. But he loves us regardless. Don't let your life be tragic. And if you understand who He is, and if you understand what He's done, and if you understand just how much He loves you, just how much He loves you, then we'd follow Him. We'd give up everything. We've got to give up. We'd give it all up. Landon's going to come and he's going to sing for the invitation. I'm not trying to give it away, Landon, but he's going to sing it. It's better one day, this is a Bible verse, one day in your courts, one day in your house is better than a thousand elsewhere, anywhere else. And you can take that thousand and make it a million or a billion or a trillion or whatever you want to make it. One day, one moment with Jesus will be worth it all and we're going to have eternity of Him loving us. And if we just understand that, we give it all up. Everything. Oh, He delights in giving us things, letting us have things, blessing us with things. But would we, would we give it all up to follow Him? Or will we live a tragic life? Let's pray. Father, I pray that You would be with us today. God, that you would help us to learn the lesson of the rich man. And God, I pray that there's nobody here today that is allowing their goodness, their position, their faith, to keep them from knowing salvation. And God, if there's someone here today that doesn't know you beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's someone listening to my voice, watching this morning, that does not know you, that today they would call on you for salvation, that they would believe that you died on the cross for them because you love them, and that your hit, their hideous sin will keep them from a righteous God, but that God has made a way and that Jesus Christ is the truth, the way, the life. But God, for those of us that are here today that are saved, 
that our faith, our goodness, our shortcomings will not keep us from following. Our shortcomings don't have to keep us from following because you love us anyway. God, help us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you. Yes,